Within the consciousness of each and every one of us resides the eternal and sacred soul. By awakening to our soul and striving to live in alignment with our soul's purpose, we can live extraordinary lives beyond conditioned limitations to pursue a life of healing, intentionality, and connection. Join us, your co-hosts, me, Katrina Slade, and Jennifer Helwing, as we explore and discuss this path of living in alignment with the sacred soul. In this podcast, we endeavor to inspire and empower you through individual and collective healing of the feminine. We are here to honor our oneness, celebrate authenticity, and deepen our connection to our beautiful planet Earth. This is the Sacred Soul Podcast. Welcome back to the Sacred Soul Podcast. This week, Jen and I are going deep. We're going to talk about shadow work, healing emotional and energetic wounds, and the process of unbecoming, the shedding of conditioning that is necessary in order to know yourself at a soul level. I love how you said that, Katrina, to know yourself at a soul level, because that's exactly what it is. And that's how I think of it too. It's just like this process of shedding the layers. It's a lot of letting go and really underneath all those layers, we really find our true self. And so that's, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. And I think it's something so many of us are going through right now or have gone through recently. And so we're just going to talk about our experiences and hopefully it resonates with some of you who are listening, or it might give you some tools because we will be talking about um, some you know, tips or tools that have been helpful for us. So hopefully you get some value from listening to our conversation. Jen, I was thinking uh, maybe you could start by sharing with the audience about your process of unbecoming and what has it felt like and what has it looked like for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I'm just going to talk a little bit about unbecoming first. So I think that I want to make that really clear for the listeners to just understand what that means. And I like to think of it as this process of shedding layers, letting go. And it's also about not identifying. It's about not identifying with the wounded parts of ourselves, not identifying with the story of our life and actually just identifying with ourselves as a spirit and a soul. And so whatever that is to you, um, whether or not you believe in multiple lifetimes or whatever you believe about your soul or your spirit, it's just the knowing that that is who you truly are and not this life that we're living, not these stories, not these things that you've been through. None of that stuff is is who you truly are. And so we we kind of learn to we learn to not identify with those things through healing work. And through healing work, we are making those wounded parts of ourselves more in the forefront. So we're bringing out stuff from the subconscious mind. We're bringing that more into the forefront. And then in doing so, it doesn't have as much of a grip or a hold over us anymore. And then when we're free from that, when we're free from those wounds and those wounded parts can no longer control us, that's when we start to say, well, then if that's not who I really am, 
then maybe I'm something more. And so that's kind of the process of healing. I think that for me, I, I equate the word healing with unbecoming as well as with spiritual growth. To me, it's all the same thing. Yes. So no matter what you're calling it, <laughs> that's what we're going to talk about today. That's so true. And I just want to point out how revolutionary that one concept can be of like identifying with your soul versus your human ego and the construct of you, like your name and your age and your race and your culture and all of that, like that's all constructed. And just like some people, I've barely started over the last few years identifying with my soul as myself. And so some people might be really like, maybe that simple concept will be really revolutionary for them. So I just wanted to say that. Thank you for sharing that before anything else. That's really important. Yeah, exactly. So um, I can talk about some of the layers that I've shed that might be helpful. For many of you who have listened to the previous episodes, I've shared a little bit about my healing journey already. So I faced in my young life mental illness, many different psychiatric disorders, um, anxiety, depression, addiction, everything, you name it, I went through it. And there was a certain point when I got into recovery when I had to let go of that being who I was. And that was really hard. This is the first layer that I had to shed. This was the first opportunity in my life when I really had to reinvent myself and transform my life. So when I started to get better and recover and really go deep with my healing journey, I was already a spiritual person. So I had always been spiritual, spiritually connected since I was a kid. Through that dark time, I was very spiritually disconnected. It doesn't mean that my beliefs changed, but I felt really separate from them. They didn't feel as easily accessible as they used to. And so going through that time was really scary, mostly because I felt so separated. I felt so separated from my soul. I felt so separated from my true self. And I was so, I was so in this human experience of suffering that I was going through. And it was really hard to see anything else. So when I started to recover, like your intuition, your intuition was like cut off and you couldn't connect with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when I started to recover, because I had been in that egoic identification, self-identification mode for so long, so it was really hard to identify now as somebody who is healed. It was really hard to let go of that identity. And the way that this showed up in my life was that I kept making these decisions about my life as though I was waiting to see if I would get sick again. Oh, okay. And that was, yeah, and that was really hard because I kept making these choices about my life based on, well, what if I get sick again? I have to make sure that I'm not taking on too much. I have to make sure that I'm not making any commitments. I have to make sure that I'm not going after anything too big or trying to follow my dreams because what if I get sick again and I'm just going to fail? And so that was the first layer that I went through that I had to shed was at one point I had to accept that I'm not going back again and I am not going to relapse and I'm not going to fall back into that. 
because of the healing that I've been on and because of the journey that I've been on and because of the spiritual awakening that I went through, I knew on a mental level that I would not fall back into that. And yet my behavior was still, my behavior was still that in that what if state. And so that was kind of the first layer that I had to shed. Would you say that if your beliefs were that you might relapse or you might go back to your old, the old ways, do you think if you really believed that that was true, do you think it's more likely that that could have happened? Healing is a lifelong process, but there's a certain point where we stop identifying with the wounded parts of ourselves. And that's when we first find freedom. That's when we first find true freedom. Those patterns will still come up because those are the patterns that are ingrained in your mind and ingrained in your body. And so those patterns will still come forward in little ways, but you don't identify with that wounded part. And so that allows you to kind of ride the wave rather than drowning in it. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's all about how you identify and you've let go of identifying as that person. You just identify with your soul. That's so beautiful. I think that is probably going to be very inspiring to a lot of people listening because a lot of us, I mean, it's just human nature to numb, to numb ourselves when we feel overwhelmed or traumatized or scared or anything, you know, anything out of our comfort zone. So yeah, people hearing that story of you, like it's a very good role model for, for a lot of people. I hope you understand that. I hope you know that Jen. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) And I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect, but again, it's just what we identify with is what we give power to. And so that's really, really important. Meditation is one of the best ways to tap into who you really are. Like if you want to tap into your soul and you want to feel more connected, sitting with yourself and just waiting, waiting for the storms of your mind to calm, waiting for all of that to kind of flush out. And then it's underneath of that, that you start to really connect with who you truly are. Mm -hmm. What you were saying reminds me of um, something I heard the other day in another podcast. And I think I already told you about it, Jen, but I just want to say it again, because it's like your soul is a tree. It's the trunk, it's the branches, it's the structure. It's the like core of that being. And every lifetime you live, or maybe every part of yourself is like the, the leaves, they're the leaves. So yeah, like you're not that one leaf, you're not that one thing, but they can all like interact with each other or like from past lives, like your past lives can impact this life. And like, you could have a tendency towards some behavior or another personality trait based on your past lives or your current life. And it's like, your soul is the center. It's like the core. I love that. Yeah. I just love that. Yeah. And that's not my idea. I borrowed that from um, somebody else on another podcast. Um, But yeah. I love how you say that. That's exactly right. Um, And it's, 
it's this continual process and it's almost like you've got a backpack on and you're taking out the heaviest object first because that's the easiest one to let go of because it weighs you down so much. And then as you go through life and you go through your spiritual journey, that backpack gets a lot lighter. Um, I guess you would kind of equate that to the enlightenment process. You're really letting go of everything about yourself and you're really just being energy and you're really just being an embodiment of your soul. Yeah. Just like letting go of how we've been conditioned. So that, yeah, that brings us back to the unbecoming, like deconditioning from all of the baggage that's been loaded up onto us. Like you were saying the backpack metaphor and it's like, I, I see it as we're all carrying like 500 backpacks and we have to shed them as we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So do you want to share, um, what are some of the heavy things that you've let go from your backpack? Oh, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm, as you know, Jen, um, I'm still going through so much right now. It's like I had a big spiritual awakening a few years ago and I let go of so much um, of what I thought, who I thought I was and what I thought the world was, um, you know, belief in what we've been spoon fed our whole lives about I don't know I, I don't need to go into all that but I I thought I had done a lot of healing and I had but all of a sudden recently another wave of healing has emerged for me so now I'm being asked by my highest self by my guides by my soul to dive into the dark unknown of of nothing <laughs> I don't know <laughs> And that requires, and that requires a lot of letting go. It's really hard. Yeah. And I don't even know how to describe it, but I, I can just talk about a few of the points um, of the main themes that I see coming up for me. And I think a lot of people might relate because especially women, um, I think what I'm going through right now is not unique. I mean, it's unique to me, but I think a lot of women go through this or men, but what one of the main themes that I'm finding is well I think overarching there's this deep feminine wound that I have been aware of for a while and now I'm being asked to explore that and to shed the conditioning and the it's really hard <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what are some of the things that you feel like you're shedding and letting go of in relation to your feminine wound well, I'm sort of swinging, like, let's say there's a spectrum of like masculine energy and feminine energy. Masculine energy is very, as some of us know, is very like outward focused. Like this is how society was built, <laughs> you know, our society, Western society. Um, it was built on like 24 hour cycles that men you know, that's male hormones have a 24 hour cycle. So they, yeah. they go, go, go. Every day is the same. Um, success is a very valued as aspirations, um, goals, productivity, you know, like that's how I've been living my life forever is striving for those things and finding my self-worth in my ability to align with those values and those things. And it's hard when you realize your value as a human isn't, isn't dictated by 
how much money you make <laughs> or how successful you are in reaching your goals. Like your value as a human is inherent. It's your birthright. Yes. It's your soul. And it's hard for me to transition from living in the masculine hustle mentality to um, I'm being really asked now to swing to the other side of the spectrum, which is very much deep into the feminine, which is hard for me to do. I don't know why. Well, I do know why, because I've been conditioned my whole life and we all have to um, live our lives in the masculine energy um, orientation. So what I'm doing now is I'm realizing, oh, my physical body is very much affected by how I'm living my life every day. And I'm ignoring my cycle. I was ignoring my feminine menstrual cycle forever. I just lived my life and kind of ignored it and just dealt with it. And now I'm realizing, oh, um, that's causing me a lot of dis-ease in my body and it's manifesting in a lot of physical problems. I'm having a lot of medical right. problems right now. And I've, I've talked about it in another episode, so I don't need to get into it now, but it's in the womb space. It's in the pelvis. It's in the sacral area. So I'm being asked to really, I don't know. <laughs> you're being asked, you're being asked to let go yes. of that attachment to needing to be productive yes. or being able to have a certain life or be able to tell a certain story about your success. Yeah. And as you learn to identify with your soul and with your inherent value and worth, that there's no longer need for that kind of behavior. There's no longer need to follow that condition pattern. Well said. And not only is it not needed, it's now harming me by doing that. It's I'm come to a point where it's harming my body to live in that mm -hmm. way that most of us have been conditioned to live. So I'm being forced to, well, I, I could choose to ignore all the physical signs and continue living in, in the way I've been living, but I'm choosing to, I'm choosing to undo the unbecoming process. So I'm, I'm learning a lot about feminine cycles. I'm learning about my cycle and how to live. And then we, in one of our previous episodes, we talked about living cyclically. So that was really helpful for me, even as co-host of this podcast. <laughs> and um, I'm being asked to rest a lot. Rest is so important to me right now. And um, it's hard for me to rest when I, my mind is telling me, you want all of these goals. Like I want to achieve all of these things. I want to do all of these things and I can't do them all. Yeah right now because it's harming my body so that's that's an example yeah it's letting go of those attachments that really is the foundational aspect of unbecoming like unbecoming is letting go of attachments when we're letting go of our ego selves that's what it is it's letting go of all the things that we were previously attached to yeah yeah it's hard I resonate with that. I resonate with that too, because um, I definitely had 
what I wanted my life to be and, and what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve and what I wanted to have and what I wanted to gain. Um, and that was very much driving a lot of my behavior and it was mindless. Like it's mindless. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're not operating from a true intentional state. You're operating from this like place of I have to have this and I have to get this and I have to this and I have to this and I have to this. And it's really toxic. Oh my gosh. So much. It takes us away from the present moment, from the reality that we're in, Mm -hmm. from like the beauty around us, from the joy, from like the true happiness. It pulls us away from all that stuff. You know, what you were just saying lines up so well with like, I was thinking about what am I going to say in this episode? And I was thinking about, you know, before we met and recorded, I was thinking, how am I going to put words to this? And a lot of this, um, in my own personal journey, a lot of the story of being conditioned happened early on in life. And especially in my teen years and my early teen years, And I remember I I was cringing thinking about how I used to act because I was mindless and I was not living in intention. I was just going based on conditioning. So I used to be driven by the motivation to receive validation from others, especially boys. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was a young teenager, I was like so driven by wanting validation from boys. (laughs) And I don't know about you, Jen, in your experience with middle school boys, but I have a lot of experience with them as an adult because I used to be a teacher and they are not very, they're not very smart. They're not very wise. They're not very good judges <laughs> of character. They're Right. Well, their brains are developing and their hormones are developing and everything is like not in sync. Yes. And same with girls, like just people of that age group, like they're not the best judges. So um, I look back at myself and I cringe and I, I feel so much sadness. And actually I've done a lot of inner child healing because of there, there's a lot of wounding in that age for me. Um, yeah. And it just reminds me of what you were saying about um, the mindlessly going through life without intention, because that's how we're brought up, really, unless we have parents that are very conscious, conscious parenting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is another thing that we can talk about that you probably relate to as well, is that there's a certain phase, usually with spiritual awakening, where you're invited you're invited sometimes more forcefully than other times <laughs> to let go of these ideas about what you thought your life should be and start pursuing more of a spiritual um path in your career and in everything that you are and that's a really huge layer of unbecoming yeah yeah yes well i'm still in the process of all of that right yeah. um i i do have a spiritual business and also it's this paradox for you. Um, I'm also scared of like speaking up and using my voice, but I'm doing it like right now. I'm literally doing that, um, in the podcast, but that's another wounding I have. Um, and I know a lot of people struggle with this is the witch wound. 
it's in the collective consciousness of women and from our past lives and from our ancestors. So it's on multiple, multiple levels of our yeah. being of women who have been suppressed, women who have been tortured, killed, raped, um, all of the horrendous things done to them because of fear of their power, fear of their wisdom, of their healing. And we're talking about like wise women who were healers. <laughs> they just were doing good in the mm-hmm. world, right? Or, mm-hmm. or women who had knowledge that men didn't want them to have. Or, you know, we can go on and on talking about that. But yeah, but it's hard, yeah. right? Like there's fear, fear of speaking your true voice. Like I have so many things I want to speak about, but there is a little bit of fear there because fear of being judged, fear of being persecuted just from like past lives and ancestors and the collective consciousness of women. Um, so that's something that I've been working on a lot this year. And I, it's so like the, it's a throat chakra thing for me too. So my throat chakra is always where I hold my tension. Like if my, if I'm stressed, I feel it in my throat and, um, I'm, I still have that as a like symptom, but I'm so much more, I'm, I am a brave person. I know I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you're feeling, you're feeling the fear and you're doing it anyway. Yes. That that, that used to be my motto. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I have that on my website somewhere. Yeah. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah because that's our ego. Like that's our ego mind. All fear comes from the ego, by the way. And its purpose is to keep us safe. It's to keep yes. us alive. Mm-hmm. Survival instinct. Yeah. We're talking about the witch wound or we're talking about all these things. And literally in the past, speaking about spiritual things or being a healer or being in our power or being like sexually empowered, like all these things for women would get you killed a lot of the time. Yeah. The worst case scenario would happen. Exactly. And so it's like, that's that fear. It's trying to keep us alive. Something that I love to do with fear is I like to imagine it on the left side of my body. Mm. I like to separate it from myself and imagine that it's like over to the left side. So it's not in front of me or it's not like in my body, but it's like outside of me on the left side. And I can communicate with it. And I'll say something like, thank you for trying to protect me, but I don't need you anymore. And that really helps me to step forward and kind of leave that fear behind when I need to. And I know it's hard, but that's a little technique that has helped me get through some tough times. Yeah. I think it's really important to be grateful and not just be like, I reject this or whatever, because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, it, it, that reminds me of what I do in healings when I'm doing energy healing on people. Oftentimes I, I start by removing the energy that is no longer supporting their highest good. And sometimes it's energy that used to serve their highest good, but no longer is or, or whatever. So I I always remove the energy and I, I sort of like visualize it coming out of their body and then I release it into light. But I always say, thank you. I say, I thank you. And I release you with love. It's, you know, we just, we have these survival instincts. It's part of the human you know, do they call it the lizard brain or something like the uh, ancient part of our brain? That's about yeah, yeah. Fight or flight, fight or flight, freeze, whatever. Um, it doesn't like the unknown. And so yeah, when you're unbecoming, you're stepping into the unknown. And actually, that also reminds me of 
last night I had a he I did a group healing with some people. Um, I was receiving the healing. I wasn't performing the healing. And actually it was Mandy from Soul Star Energy Collective. I'll shout her out now. She had a little visualization that went along with the healing and it was, you're, you're going up this staircase and it's like golden, but you don't see the steps until you're about to take the next step and then it appears. And then you keep going and then you take the next step and it's appearing right before you go. And it's like every next step will show itself, but you don't know the whole, like in this process of unbecoming, you're not going to know the whole path, the whole big picture of, oh, how, where is this going? Where is this taking me? What's it going to be like when I'm done with this process? And how do I get to where I want to be? Like, you don't actually know anything every next step will be shown at the right time. So it takes a lot of trust. I love that you said trust because that's exactly what it is. It's trusting the inner knowing that you are your soul. And so when we can do that, fear loses its relevancy, right? Because we cannot be harmed. We cannot be broken. We cannot be harmed truly at a soul level. Like we are okay. And so a lot of like other people's judgments or like fears about the world like harming us or attacking us or fears of of not having enough money and not having enough things when when we're living in survival mode that is the predominant story that's the predominant narrative and so that in many ways will still be there but we can choose to tap into that other narrative which is i am a soul i am love i am safe Nothing can break me. Nothing can truly harm me. Like I am okay. And keeping that and trusting that will help you get through, help you get through fear as you take the next steps on whatever path you feel like you're being called to take. Exactly. That actually leads us into what I wanted to ask you next, Jen. Um, okay. I want to know if you have any like specific tips or tools that have helped you go through the difficult process of unbecoming. Definitely what I talked about first with the non-identification of your wounded parts. That's a great place to start. So when we can start to see our wounded parts as separate from ourselves, and Katrina, you mentioned this too, when you're doing like inner child healing, that's a form of parts work because you're separating the inner child is now a separate part of you and you can work with that part separate from it. And so we can do that with our inner child. We can do that with any wounded part of ourselves and create that separation and create that space, that little bit more space that can really, really help. Um, the second one would be just practicing witness consciousness. So we do this in meditation where we're not our thoughts, but we're watching our thoughts. So anytime you're in that state where you're watching your thoughts, you can kind of say, this is who I truly am. I'm not my thoughts. I'm the one that's watching my thoughts. And there's a really cool meditation practice that you can try where once you get to that place where you're kind of watching your thoughts, see if you can almost hold up a mirror, like see if you can pretend that you're holding up a mirror to that witness and witness the witness and really see, really see yourself as this infinite, expansive, this consciousness that has no borders and no limitations and whatever that is for you when you look in that mirror, just knowing that that's your true self. And so that's a fun practice that you can use to try connecting a little bit deeper. That reminds me of when I was just 
barely getting started with like learning about mindfulness. Yeah. And that's one of the things they teach you is like observing your, your thoughts. And I remember a couple of visuals that were really helpful for me were um, like imagining you're just like watching clouds go by. You're just watching them float by. They come, they go, and you're not attached to them. They're not who you are. It's like your thoughts are the clouds and they're just coming and going. Or like sometimes I like to imagine I'm standing in the middle of a stream, like a water, a river. <laughs> and I always imagine me myself in like fisherman outfit, like hip waders <laughs> or chest waders or something. Yeah. And the water is like flowing by and I'm just watching it. And I'm solid and I'm still and like a rock and the waters. It's like the thoughts are just streaming by and you can you can observe that so I always found those visual things like that or I've heard people say like oh imagine that your thoughts are all cars and they're just driving by you know just like things things that you're not connected to that can just go by and they come and then they go and there's no attachment to that exactly and we can do that for emotions too so thanks for pointing that out another tip and this is kind of a strange one, or it might come across as strange, but getting up high, like actually literally climbing a mountain, being up high somewhere, whether you're doing that physically or whether you're doing that in your mind, you can kind of in your mind, you can sort of imagine yourself like floating up into the sky above where you live, or you can literally go and hike a mountain and look down at your life, look down at everything. And it's that shift in perspective. And I think Katrina, you talked about this in one of our past episodes um, about having that higher perspective, but it really allows you to create that distance from the story of your life that we can be so immersed in and so self-absorbed um, throughout every single day. We're always like just seeing everything through what's right in front of us, what's right in our eyes, what's right in our minds. And then getting that higher perspective allows us to sort of see ourselves more like how our soul can kind of see us. Yes getting up high that surprises me I don't know why like I never heard of that as a technique or a tool but it makes so much sense and it reminds me of like astronauts you know yeah, they yeah. say like when they when they go into space and they can see the earth like the entire world is so tiny in when you see it from a different perspective it changes from, you when you zoom yeah. out yeah. yeah it changes your whole entire perspective on life and then also when like space images from different satellites or I don't know what, the, the things that are taking images of space, like you see an entire galaxy in one image and you're thinking, oh my God, our planet is teeny tiny dot in that galaxy. And it that's just what it reminds me of. It's like our version of zooming out is just going up high and looking down at how far away we are from everything and how how much space there can be from what we think we're attached to and what we like our little tunnel vision view of our world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One more tip that can really help to create that separation between yourself and your ego or your fear, whatever it is that you're going through is just this idea of losing yourself. And so when I say losing yourself, it's like, 
we say that when we get lost in art, like we're, we're drawing something and we just lose ourselves in it, or we're playing music or we're dancing. We just lose ourselves in that. Or you're going out and doing volunteer work and you realize that you don't think about yourself the whole time you're there because you're thinking about helping these other people. And so it's just finding an activity and making that a part of your life, these things that you can kind of lose yourself in, that is really, really, really helpful because it allows us to just live from our hearts instead of from our minds for a little while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would call that the flow state. And there's a lot of actual, um, there, there is a lot of actual scientific Mm-hmm. studies done on the flow state because it's like this mysterious yeah. thing that scientists <laughs> want to study I guess but it's just it's just like you're forgetting all of the conditioning and you're forgetting all of the shoulds I should be like this I should do this I should think this and you're just in the moment like you said with your heart and your soul and time also changes in the flow state which yeah. is interesting yeah because and I think because I think it's because that ego self is taking more of a back seat. And so we're just, we're just in that, we're just in that soul self, in that true self. Yeah. Yeah. It feels so good. Like when I'm, when I'm painting and I'm in the flow state and then I realize, oh my gosh, I, three hours have gone by (laughs) and yeah, it feels really good. Yeah. So find, find an activity that makes you forget yourself that makes you fully absorbed in it, whatever that is, and make that part of your life. Make that a priority every single day of your life if you can. Something that just gets you in that state of full and complete heart-open presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some people, that might be sports or Mm -hmm. like movement or anything that everybody's different, right? Whatever works for you. Do you have any tools or tips or practices when it comes to unbecoming? Yeah, I, I think I'd like to recommend just a book mm-hmm. that actually I have two books I'd like to recommend, okay. but the first one is one of the books that really cracked mm-hmm. me open and started my whole process of unbecoming several years ago. And it's by Sue Monk Kidd. She's the author of Secret Life of Bees, but the book I want to recommend is a memoir of hers. It's called Dance of the Dissident Daughter. Mm. and she goes in a lot. How should I say this? She's a very academic person and she goes into the history of the church because she grew up in the Christian Southern Baptist church and the history of the Christian church and how it has suppressed women and how she had her own awakening and really like heartbreaking journey of unbecoming because she really had to let go of a lot of conditioning um it's just such a beautiful it's such a beautiful book it's a memoir and it meant so much to me so I just wanted to mention that in case that would like help other people as the as they go through their unbecoming process yes unbecoming spiritually like I'm so glad that you touched on that because that's definitely a thing we I like to call them crown chakra wounds where we have the conditioning about what our spirituality is supposed to look like or what it's supposed to feel like or what it's supposed to be and a lot of spirituality that is more mainstream is very masculine (laughs) 
and so a lot of for a lot of women, um, it it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel right, and it yes. feels wrong somehow to live those ways. Those like really rigid. You know what I'm talking about? Those really rigid self discipline is like the number one mm. thing. Yeah not flow, not going with the flow. (laughs) Exactly the opposite of the flow state that we were talking about. It's very forced and like angry um, and repressed. And we can talk about that because that causes so many problems. But anyway. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's interesting because the the author, I'll just say her name again in case anybody needs it. Her name is Sue Monk Kidd. And she, a lot of it's about femininity, being a woman, the role of of women um, throughout pre-patriarchal times and she does a deep dive into all that and her own identity crisis about like who am I as a southern baptist woman and then she's she like I don't identify as a southern baptist person but I identify as a woman and it was very impactful for me so I would recommend that book um another book that was very impactful for me and helped me a lot come to the place I'm at now, which is my second wave of unbecoming, <laughs> um, but it really helped me so much was uh, a book about self-compassion because before I used to really hate myself and it was because of all the conditioning that I thought I needed, I should be like this, I should be like that, but I'm not. And I was so self-critical and I still am, I still am, but not not to the degree I was before. Um, so there's a book I think it's called the Self-Compassion Workbook. And it's by Dr. Kristen Neff and Dr. Christopher Germer. And they're researchers who research self-compassion. And they're the ones who coined the term self-compassion. And they're the ones who sort of invented this whole new category for us to explore because we're never really taught self-compassion as kids. We went to the church that was just like down the street from my house and it was a Lutheran church. And Lutherans are very old school, very traditional. They do a lot of like, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned, blah, 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 like monotone chanting. Yeah, my my family, my family was Lutheran too. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So did you grow up going to Lutheran church as a kid? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so you you probably have a similar experience as like we'd have to read these stupid things about forgive us for sinning. And it's like, yeah, (laughs) I was always like, whatever. I don't, I don't know if I believe in this, but still like it impacts you, right? Because you every week, every week you go to this place, you hear the stupid sermon, you get taught stupid things. (laughs) Sorry. You can tell I'm a little bit biased. It's so, it's so shame-based. It's so shame-based. Like I remember Easter was all about shame. It was like, let's, let's all stand here in silence and just witness Jesus on the cross. They would make like a life-sized statue of like Jesus on the cross. And it was like, let's all just stand here quietly for two hours and feel ashamed of ourselves that we did this. He he died for Jesus. our sins. That's what they say. Yeah. 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 Can you imagine like they're teaching children this? <laughs> it's so yeah. bad. It is so harmful. Yeah. So we all need more self-compassion and we don't really know how we don't have the tools and we've never been taught. So I would really, really, really recommend this self-compassion workbook by Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer. It sounds neat. It sounds neat. Yeah. And I, along with that, 
similarly, almost everybody needs inner child healing. <laughs> so um, that's a version of like offering yourself self-compassion. And like you were saying, it's like a parts, what do you call it? A parts exercise? Parts work. Parts work. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a term I, I'm not familiar with because I'm not in the same field as you. Um, but inner child healing is so powerful. So that's something else that I've been doing over the past few years. And I can see how much has helped me release all that baggage. Like you were saying that weight from the backpack of like releasing and shedding the, the um, conditioning and the yeah. Yeah. programming that we've received since birth. Yeah. It just, it kind of came to me now, but a lot of the things that we have been talking about in this episode really have this underlying thread of space, of creating more mm. space. Yes. And I, I really, I really see that as kind of a theme here. It's like we talked about creating space from your life by going up a mountain or like creating space between you and your inner child or creating space by not identifying with the stories, creating space between ourselves and fear or ourselves and shame like making more space between those things so I just I think that's fantastic because that's really this underlying thread that has gone through everything we've talked about that's so true yeah and you really need space and time to do these things like you can't just expect to, sh- to like, oh, well, I'll just do some inner child healing while I'm driving to work. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you need to give yourself time and space. And so many people don't have that because their lives are so filled up with mm-hmm. busyness, even if it's not in alignment with what is supporting their highest good. So just keep that in mind if you're listening to this. And yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Katrina, I know that you do this with your healings, but you create like a healing space mm-hmm. in your meditative mind, right? Yeah, I have a few different spaces I go to in my consciousness. So you can do that in your mind or you can do it in your physical life, giving yourself um, a little corner of your room that's just your sacred space or like going out in nature, but making the space, not just the time, but also the space for your healing work. Um, Because healing is a very expansive and messy process. And so we need to hold ourselves and make ourselves feel held as we go through that. Yeah. And I think I'll just give one more um, tip because I think this is really important is um, for me, I've really had a lot of value and benefit from feeling connected to my guides, my spirit guides because I feel connected to them and I can receive, you know, we we are in communication. Um, I have so much trust in what I'm going through this unbecoming process. I know the next step of this staircase is going to appear when I'm stepping and because they have shown me what actions to take when I, when I ask, they're not, nobody's demanding me to do anything. Um, to, to lean into healing more, whatever, however I phrase it, they, they show me what I can do. And I feel so much trust, even if I feel uncomfortable, because it's like, wow, this is all unknown to me. This is all, uh, I'm, I'm afraid because of my wounding. Um, I still have so much trust because I'm connected to them. So I would really recommend, I think we say this every episode, 
we recommend, um, if you can, finding, calling in your guides, find a way to connect with your guides. They want to help you and connect with you and they are helping you, whether you know it or not. But if you can be in communication with them through meditations or um, some people like, you know, to receive angel numbers or ask for signs or any, any type of communication you can, um, it's very, very helpful in this process of unbecoming. Yeah, exactly. So we're making space between ourselves and our egos or the stories of our lives. And then we're connecting with our souls. We're connecting with spirit. We're connecting with God, source, universe. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or your highest self. I guess it's all one anyway, yeah. but whatever, however that appears to you is like, is good. However yeah. it comes to you. So good luck. If you're listening and you're going through this, I am too. I feel I feel for you. I feel for all of us. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you're interested in learning more or connecting more with some of the themes we've discussed, we invite you to join us in our sisterhood containers. They're like women's circles, but they go so much deeper and it's going to be so amazing to connect with each other. So we invite you to find out more at our Instagram. You can find us at Sacred Soul Healing Co. And if you want to connect more with me and learn more about what I offer, you can find me on Instagram, Katrina Slade Artist Intuitive or katrinaslade.com. And if you're interested in finding out more about me and how we can work together, I empower people to heal their own wounds and rise into their soul's true calling. You can find me at moonpathwellness.com or at wellnesswithjen on Instagram. Thanks for listening.